Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food. I'm your host, Stephanie Velarkis, accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist and director of The Dietologist, an Australian-based practice focused on optimizing fertility through nutrition. This podcast will bring you snack-sized episodes for you to learn, grow, and be inspired by the latest research, facts, and practical lifestyle tips about eating well for optimal fertility, helping you cut through the confusion and myths to take back some of the control on your fertility journey, one bite at a time. Welcome back to another episode of Fertility Friendly Food. My name is Stephanie Vlarkis, expert fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist and your host. So this episode is all about insulin resistance. What is it? What are the key risk factors? And what do we need to do to optimize insulin resistance when trying to conceive and why that's so important? Now, before I get into today's episode, I will just leave a brief trigger warning here that we do talk about miscarriage and pregnancy loss. So if that is a topic that you would rather not hear about today, then I would recommend listening to one of our other podcast episodes. I'm going to interrupt myself here and talk to you a little bit about my free masterclass, Four Mistakes You're Making on Your Fertility Diet and What to Do Instead. This masterclass talks you through these top four mistakes that I see time and time again and how to avoid them using my practical and sensible approach. Plus, if you stick around to the end, you will receive a free choosing a prenatal supplement mini e-guide valued at 37 Australian dollars. The link is in the show notes to register for the next masterclass and I hope to see you there. Now on to today's episode. What is insulin resistance? Now, I'm going to explain this twice, once with a more scientific lens and once with a bit more of an analogy. So do bear with me because I think it is really, really important to know what you're dealing with when you are diagnosed with a particular concern or condition such as insulin resistance. So insulin resistance is basically when your body's cells, particularly the muscles and liver stop responding to the action of the hormone insulin, which is secreted by the pancreas, which is a tiny little organ that sits in the digestive system and responds to glucose, which is a byproduct of any carbohydrate, whether that be starch or sugar. It's not just about sugar. Now, when the cells resist the action of insulin, what can happen is the glucose, which provides us our main source of energy in the body, is unable to enter our cells. So that leaves us feeling unenergized, A, and B, it means that that glucose is now stuck in the bloodstream for too long. And as a result, more and more insulin will start to be secreted because it thinks that, oh my goodness, there is more and more glucose. We need to secrete more to get it in. And eventually what happens is the cell becomes overwhelmed by the amount of insulin and it gets in. But it took a lot of hard work to get in there. This means the Glucose is being stuck in the bloodstream for too long, which isn't necessarily great for our health. 
it is part of the, I guess, runway into pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes, but it isn't itself called pre-diabetes. It is pre-pre-diabetes. So it is something that you can take action on and start to work on and really reverse so you can minimize your future risk of developing type 2 diabetes. But you do need to keep on top of it. And I'll talk a little bit more on that in a moment. Now, if that explanation of insulin resistance went over your head, then hopefully this little analogy will be really helpful for you. So if you drive a car like mine, where you have to actually press the button for the doors to unlock, right? So pretend that you as the driver are glucose, the car is your muscle cell and the key that you're pressing is insulin. So when you first buy the car and the key is new, you press the button from, you know, even across the park and you you see the lights on your car flash and the doors are open, you walk over to your car and you get in, right? Now, as the car gets on in age or the battery starts to die or, you know, something goes wrong with the car, you find yourself pressing the open button more and more before it then unlocks. You have to get closer and closer until eventually you literally need to flip open the key, stick the key in the door and unlock it, right? That took a lot longer to get you into your car, right? And certainly less convenient. This is basically what is happening in insulin resistance. The key talking to the cell, your car, key being insulin, car being cell, that relationship has started not to be as strong as it used to be. And as a result, glucose, you are not getting into your car as quickly as you used to. And that causes issues from a physiological standpoint. Hopefully I explained that well enough and we can now move on to talk a little bit more about insulin resistance when trying to conceive. So how do you know you have insulin resistance? Now, there are no symptoms of insulin resistance. It's completely asymptomatic. So the only way you will find out you have insulin resistance is if you get some basic blood work done with your GP. I talked about these in Preconception Blood Work Essentials. So head back to that episode if you haven't listened to it already. But some basic tests that tend to be done include a fasting blood glucose level, a fasting insulin level, and some more comprehensive tests include a two-hour oral glucose tolerance test, which really sees how your blood glucose and insulin levels are performing when put under pressure of a carbohydrate load, particularly a fast release carbohydrate load in that sugary drink. So that's how you know if you have insulin resistance. There are some key risk factors that need to be considered that may increase your risk of having insulin resistance. One of these is PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome. We seem to see a very high correlation between having PCOS and insulin resistance. A history of gestational diabetes. So if you've been pregnant in the past and you've had gestational diabetes, you're more at risk of having insulin resistance. Physical inactivity, which we know globally is becoming more and more of an issue as we sit down more and more in our day. So that can be a risk factor. Fat around the belly can be another risk factor. Smoking, a family history of type 2 diabetes. Age, as you are more likely to be diagnosed insulin resistant as you get older. Certain medication use like steroids and antipsychotics. And if you have sleep issues, which I'll talk a little bit more on later. 
Now, as you can see, some of these risk factors we have control over, such as physical activity levels and smoking and potentially even your sleep, but you may not have control over, in fact, we don't have control over family history, age, or whether you've had gestational diabetes in the past. Those things we can't change. So we need to focus on what we call the modifiable risk factors, not the non-modifiable risk factors, because there's no point dwelling on those. We can't change them. Now, insulin resistance is very, very common and statistics in the literature about how common it is does vary quite a lot, but you're looking between 15 to up to 45% in some countries being reported as diagnosable insulin resistance. Now, why is insulin resistance important to manage when trying to conceive? There's a few key reasons. The first is, especially if you have PCOS, improving insulin resistance management can help you improve spontaneous ovulation rates. So your ability to ovulate on your own, basically, because insulin can interfere with the function of the ovaries alongside testosterone, which can impair regular ovulation. So getting on top of insulin resistance and lowering that circulating insulin level in the body can have a really huge impact on PCOS outcomes in particular. And this is where that Harvard research comes in, which states that diet can improve anovulatory infertility. So infertility where it is caused by not ovulation, not ovulating regularly can be improved by 80% through diet alone. Huge statistic, important one to bear in mind. Another reason why it's so important is if you do fall pregnant, it can help reduce your future risk of gestational diabetes in pregnancy. As we do become more resistant to insulin in pregnancy at a particular time point. So if you're going into pregnancy, being a little well-managed on the insulin resistance front, you are doing yourself some favors heading into that pregnancy to potentially reduce the risk of GD. And the third reason why is insulin resistance has been slightly linked to miscarriage. And we're not talking about a huge percentage increased risk here. We're talking about less than 10% of an increased risk. But it is important to note this because particularly when we're talking about recurrent miscarriage and pregnancy loss and investigations, insulin resistance should be there and be part of your boxes to tick off to rule out and exploring management as well. So what do you do about managing insulin resistance? Now, obviously, as a dietitian, I'm going to say working with a dietitian here is absolutely crucial. And it is diet and lifestyle are the two biggest modifiable things that you can do to enhance your management of insulin resistance. Now, Based on my explanation earlier, you may be thinking, well, a very low carb diet or a keto diet is going to get me a quick result. My insulin resistance is going to improve. But in the long run, particularly in pregnancy, it will get you very, very stuck because we cannot maintain a low carbohydrate diet in pregnancy. And we know very low carbohydrate diets may be potentially harmful to your baby during pregnancy as well. So 
It's not maintainable. And the issue I find is that weight gain can tend to be much quicker in pregnancy if you had a very low or no carb diet just prior to pregnancy because of some of the water weight that comes on with reintroducing carbohydrates into your diet. So my tip is to work on a more moderate carbohydrate intake, working towards prioritizing slow release carbohydrates distributed throughout the day, matching the amount of carbohydrate that you need to your activity levels and your lifestyle so you have smooth rises and falls in your blood glucose levels. This is something I talk about quite substantially in depth in The Waiting Game, which is my 30-day online fertility nutrition program. It's a fraction of the fee of working with me and you can get started right away. The link is always in the show notes if you'd like to join as well. You can start anytime you like, 100% online, available worldwide. But this is something I do recommend everybody to be doing, whether you have insulin resistance or not when trying to conceive, because balancing your blood sugars out is a really good habit to get into, particularly prior to pregnancy. Now, there are certainly much more advanced strategies that can be used, but I generally only talk about these in a one-on-one setting when you're working with a dietitian like myself. And it's really important as well to remember that you do need to be monitoring your results regularly to actually see if this is working well for you, because there's no point implementing all these changes and not knowing whether it's making a difference. We need that monitoring step as well. Of course, exercise and getting your body moving in a safe and enjoyable way is going to help insulin resistance as it improves glucose uptake from the muscles and sleep. Sleeping enough is so crucial for insulin resistance management. Seven to nine hours per night minimum. Chronic undersleeping or just not getting enough sleep on any given day will spike your insulin levels. We know that less than four hours sleep in particular significantly rises circulating insulin levels for the rest of the day. So getting enough sleep is so important. Now, there are some strategies that your doctor can also discuss with you in terms of medications, but I will leave that to a conversation with your healthcare provider. But There is a lot of room to work on the lifestyle components, which can not only A, improve your insulin resistance management before pregnancy and to help improve the health of your pregnancy and hopefully your future baby as well, but also to help optimize your diet from a fertility perspective as well. It is a win-win-win when it comes to managing insulin resistance in preconception. So, so, so important. Now, before I leave you for this episode today, I will just remind you that my free masterclass of four mistakes you're making on your fertility diet and what to do instead is now available for you to watch. Just register via the link in the show notes below. If you stay all the way to the end, you will get a free e-guide choosing a prenatal supplement mini e-guide valued at 37 Australian dollars. I would love to see you there and help you navigate some of these common pitfalls that I see my clients making before they get to me and hopefully help you avoid some of them too. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and share with a family member, friend, or colleague. I would love for you to spread the word about fertility-friendly food. It really does go a long way to help support the podcast. Until next week, 
I'll catch you then. Mm-hmm.